I would like for you to just turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you there from verse number 1. We are blessed tonight to have our guests here that are with us worshiping the Lord on this Wednesday night. Amen. So very glad that you're here. To all the precious home folk, we're glad that you're here. I'm very thankful for this church family. Thank God for you. It was wonderful to have my wife and children with me on the, the trip this week. Um, they don't always get to go, and I'm always thankful when they do get to go. And uh, it's nice to carry your own amen corner with you. Praise God. And so I'm thankful for my wife and children tonight. Romans 12 and 1, this is something we don't hear enough about in this day and time we live in, in my opinion. But uh, the apostle was pretty emphatic about this. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And this is the most extravagant thing that you could do. Is that what it said? He said, this is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable service. I love verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us say amen to the reading of the word of God. Amen. Uh, tonight, I don't really have a good title for you, but I want us to all be able to leave here tonight saying the same thing, and that's simply this. Lord, it's all right if you inconvenience me. It's all right, Lord, if you inconvenience me. You never promised me a life of convenience, but you did promise that you would never leave us or forsake us. And how many of you are thankful that he's true to his word tonight? Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing tonight. So I want to begin with a story, if I may. There's an article that I read by a gentleman. His name is Tyler Green. I don't know anything about Tyler. I don't have a clue where he's from. Uh, I don't know anything about him, but I like what he said. The title of his article, and I hope you got your seatbelts on because it's, it, he comes out swinging. He said, you need to be inconvenienced for your church. You need to be inconvenienced for your church. So I'm going to read this. Don't fall asleep because this ain't bedtime stories, all right? I once read about a revival which took place among some of Scotland's rural churches in the 1800s. Many of the believers who belonged to these churches lived in the middle of nowhere and would travel long distances for gathered worship. Bear in mind, this was before the emergence of automotive technology. What's more, the revival came during the winter months, which made the commute treacherous due to weather conditions, especially since the mountainous terrain was not ideal for travel. Needless to say, meaningful participation in the life of the local church was not easy for these believers. Nevertheless, he said, they were faithful and God visited them in a powerful way, as one minister from that time noted. I quote, it was often a stirring sight to witness the multitudes assembling during the dark winter evenings to trace their progress as they came in all directions across moors and mountains by the blazing torches which they carried to light their way to places of meeting. The word of the Lord was precious in those days, and personal inconvenience was little thought of when hungering souls sought to be satisfied. As we look at the example of these believers, let's make one crucial observation those who are hungry for Christ consider it their joy to be inconvenienced for the sake of his church. Unfortunately, this is a stark contrast to the way many people treat the church today. Countless multitudes attend church regularly but view it as a commodity, a conveniently located provider of spiritual goods and services for which they make no real sacrifice. 
Of course, such a perspective can be manifested in different forms. In some cases, it assumes the form of total avoidance of any sort of participation beyond semi-regular attendance on Sunday. However, in many other cases, it is far less obvious than that. Most of us don't mind some level of participation. We have no qualms about signing up to serve for an hour on Sunday or joining a small group. In such cases, the problem isn't one of whether we're participating in the mission of the church. It is how we're participating. As advantageous, uh, as advantageous overscheduled Americans, our participation is often subject to our convenience. Far too seldom is it something for which we readily adjust our schedules or re-envision how we live. Instead, we settle for being involved enough to feel like we've done our due diligence before God, but without any disruption of our everyday lives. Or to put it more plainly, we've resorted to negotiating our participation in the church's mission when we should have been completely surrendering to it. God isn't after the win-win. He is after our full devotion. Let's boil this down so we can see what's really at stake. Our aversion to being inconvenienced for the local church reveals our lack of hunger for Jesus. For those who hunger for him above all else will joyfully love what he loves and value what he values no matter the cost. Therefore, when it comes to life in the local church, we have two choices before us. I love this. We can have convenience or we can have more of Jesus. We must decide. We cannot have both. So for you, which one will it be? As you consider that question, read this insight from Ray Ortland. If your relationship with your church is ambiguous and sporadic and subject to convenience, the problem is not your relationship with your church. The problem is your relationship with Christ. He has made his loyalty clear. He even delights in his church. He is committed to the revival of the world through the revival of the church. To God, the most important thing in all of created reality is his church, a crown of beauty in his hand. Your own greatest happiness is the revival of your church. You want to experience true happiness in Christ, he said? If so, your local church must feel like an inconvenience. Its mission must cost you something. God is calling us to make adjustments in the areas of our lives that are hindering us from costly participation in the mission of the church. Not because he wants to take anything away from us, but because he wants to give us more joy in Christ. For the sake of greater satisfaction in Jesus, let's stop orienting his church to our lives and begin orienting our lives to his church. When that happens, we'll no longer be treating the church like a commodity that is subject to our convenience. Instead, we'll be delighting in it as the precious bride for which Christ laid down his life. I know it may feel odd to you tonight for me to begin by reading an article, but to be quite honest with you, I don't know that I could have prepared an introduction any better myself. Why is that, you may ask? It's because no move of God has ever started with a hunger in the world. We're praying for God to give the world a revelation of eternity in the end time. We've been asking God to give our lost family members a revelation of hell. We've been asking God to give our work a family a revelation of eternity and of hell. But I don't believe that that powerful revival in the end time church is going to start because the world is hungry. I believe it's going to start because the church is hungry. 
I'm saying to you tonight that God is not measuring the time clock of heaven by the things that transpire in the earth, but rather the things that are in the earth are aligning themselves with the time clock of God. I believe with all of my heart that everything that's transpiring right now in the earth is in the perfect will of God. I'm not saying that God means harm to anybody. I'm not saying that God would cause evil dictators to harm people, but I'm saying this that if you believe that the world is going to have to wake up some way somehow and realize the pressure that we feel in the end time for eternity you've got to believe that what we're seeing is lining up with God's time clock and this is what I'm afraid of just being honest with you I'm afraid that all of the world events and the current events are lining up with God's time clock faster than the church is I'm afraid that people in the world, I, I, I don't mean this disrespectful at all, but I, I, I was in a McDonald's the other day, and there was, uh, it wasn't a McDonald's, I'm sorry, it was a Taco Bell. It was at a pilot station at a Taco Bell. God knows I've got to bring up Taco Bell some way. And I'm standing there in line, and these three girls, I wouldn't say that they were much older than teenagers, maybe early 20s, were standing there making my food, and there was one middle-aged lady that you could tell that was mama that ruled the roost. And so this one girl started talking. She said, she was telling the other, I'm talking about with energy and, and, and vigor, man. She was going at it. And she, she looked at her and she said, she said, uh, well, you know, she said, Biden said he was going to try to stay, stay out of this that's going on over there. But we're already in it. And they, I mean, they were sincere. They were going back and forth. And the, the girl looked at the other one. She said, girl, you know that's in the Bible. She said, what is in the Bible? She said, it's in the Bible. Everything that's going on in Russia right now, it is in the Bible. That girl said, ooh, it's in the Bible. She said, yes, it's in the Bible. And I'm saying, I got convicted. I was standing in Taco Bell listening to two young girls work, and she was witnessing to her that everything that's happening right now is in the Bible. Why does that matter? Because I do not believe that God is coming back for less of a church than what he left behind after the book of Acts revival. I believe that God is coming back for a church that is filled with power, that is full of demonstration, that is full of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that God's coming back for a church that's satisfied to just occupy a pew and be all right to say that we're saved. I believe if the world recognizes that the coming of the Lord is near, it's time for the church to get moving. While we're waiting for America to wake up, don't hold your breath. We're waiting on the world to get a revelation about God, hell, and eternity. God is trying to wake up the church. I remember, I remember as a teenager, I was reading an old book. It's an old revival book. And the story was told, I've told it in this church through the years, about a man by the name of Charlie Peace. Uh, Charlie Peace was a prisoner in England. He had lived on death row for several years. And so finally, through propriety, and it was the, the, the right thing to do, they sent in a chaplain for him on the last day of his life. They were getting ready to execute him and take his life. And so they send in this priest into him, in, 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 into his prison cell. And uh, the priest did his whole deal with him, you know, kind of last rites. And he said to him, he said, uh, Mr. Peace, do you have any last words he said yes I do he, he said okay well then what's your last words you know he's thinking like I miss my mother or uh, I, I miss my children whatever Mr. Charlie P said sir he said if I believed what you say you believed he said I would crawl on my hands and knees on glass if need be from one side of this country to the other just to tell one person about eternity my God. when you think about that yeah. listen I'm convicted. I'm convicted when the denominal world is recognizing things that the apostolic church is not recognizing. We can talk about religious traditions all we want to, but folks, I'm going to tell you something about the Pentecostal church. We get pretty traditional. 
we get pretty locked in. I can mess y'all up a little bit. I'll show you. If I came in here on a Sunday night and just started preaching before we started playing music, some of you would be like, what's wrong with him? Anybody found a place in the Bible where it says you got to sing three songs, take an offering, then sing one more song, then the preacher preach? Why? Because that's our tradition. That's the way we have church. That's the way that we put it together. And the problem is if we don't do it exactly that way and it's not our style and it's not what we were liking or it's not our favorite preacher. Well, I wish it would have been pastor. I wish it had been somebody. I, I, well, I don't know what to do. But hey, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. We got to wake up, folks. This is not about convenience. This is not about my favorite preacher. This is not about the songs that I like. It doesn't matter to me if we get the first song and we never make it to the second song and the altars fill up and people start repenting of their sins and get full of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. I'll baptize somebody right now in Jesus' name. I'll quit preaching and baptize them and come back and finish the Bible said while Peter yet spake these words they which heard it received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues it's time that we wake up and get back to the place where signs are confirming the word in our life I believe unashamedly and unabashedly that we are the church of the living God that was purchased with his own blood We have the name upon us. We're filled with his precious spirit. But sometimes I really do wonder what it's going to take to wake up the North American church. I've read stories recently uh, of things that are going on in Europe and the the families that are being affected by this. Listen, I, I, I was Sunday night standing next to Brother Carpenter and he started reading to me this text that he had just received. Somebody sent it to him and my wife saw it yesterday on social media. But it was uh, from, from an apostolic church of some apostolic believers in Ukraine. And they, they were, uh, in, in the text, I, I wish I had the whole thing in front of me right now. But they were saying, listen, everybody's worried about us. But they said this, it was so powerful. I about started dancing right there on the platform in the middle of church. He turned his phone. He said, people are worried about us. They said, but what they don't know is that God is for us. They said, literally, we've been watching as rockets came flying toward our homes. But they were intercepted in midair. They just disappeared and nobody ever knew what happened to them. They said, we have Russian soldiers that are walking outside of our homes and they don't even know where they are they said they're running out of fuel their tanks are running out of fuel and they're saying we don't know where to go we're lost they said we have russian soldiers that are coming into our homes and asking for something to eat and something to drink listen i'm telling you what the enemy meant for evil god meant for good I just wonder if we had to go through what some folks went through. If we throw our hands up and quit or we throw our hands up and give God praise that he's right in the middle of the chaos. Hey, I'm telling you, the devil's not going to get the glory out of this thing. I'm not going to let the Antichrist get the glory out of this thing. I'm not going to let a world ruler and a world dictator get the glory out of this. God's going to get the glory out of this. We're going to see revival. We're going to see harvest. And God's going to do it in the middle of it. There's a popular video going on right now. Uh, It was like one of the first big... uh, Apartment complexes that was hit by a rocket this week on Friday, maybe. Well, uh, I was with Brother uh, Mike Tuttle, Bishop Tuttle, this week, and he turned the phone around. And I'd seen the video from another perspective. But he showed me the video from a window. He said, you know where this is? He said, this is the church building that we're about to finish in Kiev right here. He said, they're putting the roof on it this week. And that rocket, the church, they were standing at the church, and the rocket goes, Right by the church. And I thought, you know what? You can't tell me that those people had picked out one apartment in an F-16 or whatever they're flying said, I think we'll just drop it on that. Listen, they, they don't care where they're throwing that stuff. But you understand me when I tell you that God put people of faith standing right there to say, look at that. God just kept his hand on his people. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear... I will not fear the arrow by day. I will not fear the terror by night. For my help comes from the Lord. 
I wish somebody had shouted out tonight. It's all right if you inconvenience me, Jesus. Well, I guess, Pastor, we'll just sit here and watch all of this unfold. We'll see what old Vladimir's going to do. Then we'll see what Volodymyr's going to do. Isn't that something? I'm like, man, y'all went to different schools together. So I said, we got Vladimir, Volodymyr. Like, that's got to be the same thing somewhere in there. I don't know. We're going to see what's going to happen over there. And, I, hey, I don't know, you know, I mean, a lot of this is predicated on the Ayatollah, too. No, it isn't. It is not predicated on what Iran does. It's not. Well, then, then it's, it's predicated on what Israel does. No, it's not. God's got his hand on Israel. But what they do, what, what, what they do doesn't matter. Right? Listen, they're not going to flip some switch on the, on, on the temple mount one day. Just flip a switch and God be, oh, finally, somebody found the switch. But in the meantime, we're, we're just sitting here saying, well, I, I guess we'll just watch it all unfold. There's some precious people in here tonight that can tell you the North American church is pretty spoiled rotten. I know we live in Indiana, and I know if the roads get too bad, we cancel, even though it grits every tooth I got to do. I hate canceling. But what I read to you tonight, that article, he said it was in the middle of the winter time, and the four-wheel drive didn't go out in these people's cars. They had a one-horsepower pickup truck, freezing cold, wrapped up. Well, my kid had a runny nose. Well, you could tell they hadn't lived through COVID. They went to church with a runny nose. Can you believe that? <laughs> I better stay home. You know, I, I'm, I'm not making fun for the sake of making fun. But it's, it's something how the spirit of fear gets on the church. Now, I know this is going to sound self-serving. But somebody asked me during the whole early part of this nasty junk we went through. They said... What are you going to do, Pastor, if somebody stops by the church and says, I think I got it, would you pray for me? I said, I'm, I'm going to back up to the furthest corner I can. I'm going to get me a prayer cloth, and I'm going to throw it at them and hope it hits them. They said, what are you going to do, Pastor? I said, I'm going to put my hand on their head. Hey, either he can do it. Or he can't. And I'd rather die believing that he can than to sit around wondering why it wasn't different when I didn't trust God. It's amazing how quickly stuff starts disappearing. You know what? People are starting to realize right now, pretty fun, it's pretty, pretty funny to me, that all these people that were trying to tell the truth are not just a bunch of conspiracy theorists now. I read an article today, and I wish I, I wish I'd have left it pulled up right here. I read an article today and passed it very quickly. They were interviewing one of the, the chief, I don't think he was the CEO, but he's one of the heads of one of the, uh, the uh, uh, vaccine companies. And they said, what, what's your plans for the future? And this was, a, uh, this was pretty close to verbatim quote. This is what he said. He said, right now, we're having trouble. He said, because... The virus is losing power faster than we can produce the vaccine. I'm like, man, I wonder what would happen, honestly, if they just let it go. Because there sure wasn't 175,000 that got COVID after the Super Bowl. In the tightest lockdown cities in America. Look, look, let me just tell you all this. There's no such thing as a pandemic in your city if you can host a Super Bowl. That's free. You don't even have to pay for that. You can give me another dollar later. Listen, we're going to face some things in the end time. We're going to face it. We got people in here that have had to face it while we were griping about missing church twice a week or whatever. They were, they were in, in people's faces. 
having to work on people, treat them, medical folks, they're in there working. Come on now. I'm talking about people, people really getting out there. But I, I, I talked to one, and I didn't ask permission to say it, so I'll just say I talked to one uh, lady in this church that works in the medical field, and I said, what, what, what's your thoughts on it? She said, I got I to gotta hand up on all the other workers. I said, yes. She said, when I walk in that room, I plead the blood of Jesus. What if God's just been trying to set us up for an opportunity to see his power and his glory on display? I, I know it's going to sound like I'm over-spiritualizing everything, but I, I heard a statement last night that said, we want to find a cure for cancer. I said, hey, I know it. And the cure has a name. Let's have revival in North America. And let, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's see the power of God on display. Well, I, I'm okay with it as long as they just come to church. And I don't have to go get them. That's probably why I said go out into the highways and the byways and, boy, y'all are preaching so good tonight. Now listen, go through and read that story for the sake of time. I'm, I'm trying to hurry here tonight, get you where I need to go. They said, Jesus said, this man's having a feast. He said, I want you to go invite some folks. So they started coming back and they said, well, look, here, here, here's a problem. We would come, but we just bought, we just bought us a piece of ground. and We got to go have us a meeting. Mm, okay. He said, well, invite them. So they, they come back. Well, master. They said they would come, but they're getting married. And I'm saying, hey, slow down, bud. Slow down. Stop. Hang on just a second. If only you knew what this invitation is all about. Yeah, but I'm busy. I, I, I got to marry myself to some things. I got to get myself in more debts and more properties and get myself more connected. Listen, everything that he was talking about was connecting to treasures in this earth. God's been trying to get us as the body of Christ to disconnect ourselves from the treasures of this earth and to connect ourselves to a place where tre uh, and treasures where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, look, here's what I want you to do then. He said, go out into the highways and the byways. He said, I want you to get the blind, the whole, and the maimed. He said, go get them and bring them here that my house may be filled. Listen. Jesus told us that story for a reason. He said, I'd rather have a blind man here or a lame man here than somebody that doesn't want to be inconvenienced. Why? Because he's still powerful enough to open the blinded eyes. He's still powerful enough to make the lame walk. But there's something about the flesh of a man that God cannot inconvenience a man that does not want to be inconvenienced. Woo! Can I, can, I, can I break it down Gerber style for you tonight and talk to you a little bit? We talk about having Holy Ghost revival. What's that look like? What's that mean? We're going to have end time harvest. What's that look like? What's that mean? Listen, I, I've heard folks talk about it all my life. Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Come on, yeah. Y'all know the song? That, that second chorus, we'll sing and shout and dance about when we get over yonder. And I'm watching people, Brother Andrew, they're singing. They're going to sing and shout and dance about when they get over yonder. They ain't never sang and danced about nothing over here. Welcome to the church of the chosen frozen. Hey, we got a reason to get excited right now. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about revival. I want God to do something in this church. That gets us so excited in our flesh that we can't wait to get off work to get to the house of God. I want God to do something so powerful that when our kids get home from school, they're saying, Daddy, it's church night. I can't wait to get to the house of God. Something's got to happen. Something's got to transpire in us. Something's got to work in us. Well, I, I'm just tired today. Let me just ask this general question. Is there anybody in here that feels completely rested tonight? Anybody? No takers? Wow. 
Is there anybody here that feels tired? I think that's the most participation I've had all night. <laughs> Praise God. Shoo, wee. Listen, we live tired. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that we're not so tired to stay home from a little league ball game? Come on, somebody. Y'all want me to preach about miracles again? It's amazing. It's amazing. That we're, we're tired, and when it's party time, somebody's cousin's got a four, 14th kid's birthday. When they're like, birthday party time, we'll get them and say, I'm tired. I don't really want to go as we're putting our shoes on. But we'll come on on Sunday night. We'll sit there and say, well, I really don't want to dance tonight. I'm tired. I really don't want to shout tonight because my voice is tired. Woo! I sure appreciate what Pastor's saying right now, but woo, I'm tired. I'm going to tell you all something. It, it would astound you how good it feels to get up here and preach. I'm never tired when I'm done preaching. I feel so good when I'm finished preaching. People are like, whoa, we need Holy Ghost Revival. Let me tell you what Holy Ghost Revival looks like. you got to have revival in your flesh for Holy Ghost Revival. You're going to be tired in your flesh. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not making light of this because I've been raising this and I heard it all my life. You, you've heard it, Brother Gray, people say, Whoa, I danced in the spirit. All right. Why are your calves sore? I danced in the spirit. Yeah, and you were out of breath too. Praise God, I ran the aisles and got in the spirit. Yes, you did. And your legs are sore today because you hadn't had that much cardio in a long time. So if you were in the spirit, why are you feeling it in your flesh? Because you're going to have to present your body. Can I break this down for you and tell you? If Jesus could have won victory for our salvation in the spirit, he would have never had to become a man. That's why he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's always going to be a part of you that wants to have revival. But the part that's going to make it happen is the part that you can feel. And it bleeds if you prick it. And it hurts if you kick it. It's the flesh. you got to activate the flesh. Is there anybody in here that has ever seen a farmer reap harvest from a lazy boy? What are you shaking your head for, Brother Russell? I'm going to tell you, I was about 13 years old. That joker put me back here on a, hay, on a hay wagon. Go ahead and bail that hay in the spirit, son. He didn't say that to me. I'm just saying. Your knuckles are swollen where you can't even close your hands from that bailing wire. I picked up one bale that came off the back. When I picked it up and went to throw it above me, it was like right above my head. When I went to throw it, half of a bloody snake was hanging out in my face going, Whoa! I ran in the spirit. I didn't know I could throw a bale of straw like that. <laughs> Praise God, I put that thing under my feet. Whew. Listen, I've watched people work. I remember as a boy watching sweat come down Brother Russell's brows. He picked up another bag. Well, they weigh 60 pounds of beans. 60 pounds of beans. Dumping them out, putting them in there. I thought, man, it'd be good if we could have this harvest in the spirit, wouldn't it? Why can't you just sit in your lazy boy and pray for harvest? Because if there isn't a seed and there isn't rain and there isn't somebody willing to till up the soil and there isn't somebody willing to get, get out there with a sickle or, or, or something start reaping, what are we going to do? Just, just watch it grow? So I'm going to tell you where we're at as a movement, okay? Can I do that? We are a movement that has fields full of seed that has gone beyond green and has turned brown and it's ready to harvest. And the harvest fields are white is what Jesus said. He said, they're white. That means it's done changed colors. It's ready to be harvested. And we're sitting there saying, God, give us harvest. Give us harvest, God. I was with a precious family this week. They're in a, what we call access-challenged area in Africa. 
we sat we sat at the table. He came he came and prayed with me in the prayer room late Saturday night. He started sharing some things with me. He said, "Brother, I have to be very careful. Young family got little children." He said, "Brother, I have to be very careful." He said, "Most days I'm the only one that gets to leave our house." He said, "My wife and kids stay in our walled compound cuz I can't leave uh, can't, they can't they can't go with me." He said, "I'm afraid for them to go with me." And he said, "My wife and I have come up with some rules." Now, I'm not kidding. This this stuff sounds like uh James Bond or something, you know, and this is a missionary. He said, my wife and I have code words and things we have to say. He said, if either one of us look at each other and say, get in the car, we have to go. He said, we, we both know you don't stand there and say, why? He said, we had to go through terrorist training. It's, it's an Islamic part of the world. He said, we had to go through terrorist training. His eyes filled up with tears. He said, across the table from me, he said, Brother St. Clair. He said, these men that were training, they're former CIA ops and all these guys. He said, now they do this training full time. He said, they looked me in the eyes. And they said, what are you going to do if they rape your wife and make you watch? He said, and then when I thought I couldn't take any more, he said, they threw a left jab at me. And they said, are you still going to be able to love her after they do? I'm like, whoa, man. What, 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 what in the world's going on here? And my heart got to beating in my chest. I said, Lord, you can inconvenience me if you need to. Because we can come and go as we want to. We, 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 we live in the United States of America. Everything's open 24 hours. You can always find a hamburger to stop your heart at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey. And Josh, if they don't, they don't want to do it, they can get Grubhub and bring it to them. Come on now. He told me the other day, he said, bro, people pay for convenience. I said, whoo, that'll preach. Yeah. It's amazing how much extra people will pay for you to bring it to them. But I want to tell you right now, you don't pay extra and have revival brought to the church. If we're going to have revival, it's going to be because we present our bodies a living sacrifice and we go after. He said, be not conformed to this world. But there's got to be a transformation that happens in your mind. If we're going to have revival, it's not going to be because we show up on Sunday and Wednesday. It's going to be because we got a transformed mind and we're willing to lay our life down and say, God, whatever you got to do, inconvenience me, but let's win this world. I wonder, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you can't tell, my heart's building up to FPC Missions Conference. I wonder what some of us would do if God said, walk away from your $75,000 job and go plant a church. We don't have any resources. I was with uh, Brother Sister Scott this week. Brittany Scott, Brother Ryan Scott, she's from Seattle, so went and started a church in Seattle, and he started telling the stories about the building, and I'm not going to get into all of it, may tell you some, some more of it later, but he said, we finally got this little place that we could rent, he said, and then all the COVID stuff came in, you know, of course, Seattle is ultra conservative, so it's usually... Pretty good. He said, we haven't been able to really get together, but we had to save our place because we couldn't get rid of it. Listen to me now. They took a step of faith to do this. I'm not talking about owning a building. I'm talking about renting a place so they can have church. Y'all got your seatbelts on? $9,000 a month to rent a room. Ooh, glad I threw my dollar in tonight. You ever thought about if you was in a spot like that? How many of your offering would it take to pay the rent? Woo! I said, Lord, I don't pastor 9,000.
And Lord, if I only give 50 cents, I'd have to pastor 18,000. And I'd still be hungry. But let me tell you. Somebody shout, inconvenience me, Lord. Brother Mark Brown, who we're, we're also going to support through missions conference. God called him several years ago. He went to Indiana Bible College, and God called him to South Dakota Bishop. He went to, instead of going to Rapid City or somewhere cool, like somewhere good, Sister Diane, he went to Watertown, South Dakota. There's nothing there. Except for an apostolic church. For 15 years, he'd been digging out apostolic work. He said this last Pentecost Sunday after COVID and all that stuff, he said, we finally broke 100 for the first time on Pentecost Sunday. And so he got to 100 people. So excited. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, I called you to South Dakota, not just to Watertown. So he said, well, since we've been building this church, we raised up an assistant pastor. So now the assistant pastor is the pastor. Brother Brown's not even 40 years old, and he's the bishop. He said, Lord, we're going to go to another town. We're going to start us a church. So he starts driving to towns within driving distance. Found out I was a pilot, and he's like, what do I got to do to fly? I said, well, I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. He said, man, I can get across South Dakota pretty quick. He said, he sent me a picture the other day. All of his pilot training books came in the mail the day he got home from missions conference. He said, I'm going to give my life to it. I'm, I'm going to work on it. He got to go into towns he could drive to. He started going to this town just trying to find people to teach Bible studies to. Walked in this coffee house. This sweet lady working in there. I don't know if she was the owner or what. She said, what, what brings you guys to town? He started telling the story. I passed from Watertown. But the Lord has called me to this town too. He said, we're here just looking for some place. She said, look, if you need to know anything about this town, you need to know anybody in this town, anything you need to know. She said, I've, I've been here all my life. I'm your person. There's anything you need to know. He said, welcome to think of it since you offered. He said, we need a, a, a place where we can start teaching Bible studies. We need a room. She said, come here. I got somebody I want you to meet. She took him over into this other room. There was a, a realtor sitting there. He said, uh, this is, this is uh, Pastor Mark Brown. He's come here. Straight. He said, oh, really? He said, well, I got somebody you need to talk to. So they called this guy. This guy. He said, uh, hey, preacher. He said, you starting a church here? He said, yeah. He said, well, listen. He said, I own the oldest church building in the town. It's been here 135 years. And he said, uh, are you needing a place to have church? He said, yeah, yeah, we really are. He said, we're needing some place. He said, well, I'm out of town, but I can get somebody to unlock the door and let you in if you'd like to go look at it. So Brother Brown and his wife, they went over and walked through the church and called him back. He said, what'd you think? They said, man, it's beautiful. That building's gorgeous. The character is unbelievable. That, that'd be awesome. He said, uh, he said, what, what are you thinking? What would it cost me to rent that place from you? He said, uh, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, you're going to start a church? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to start one. He said, uh, you got your 501c3? He said, yeah. He said, well, I'll tell you what, if you're a 501c3, I'll give you the title and deed to the property and hand you the keys to the church. It's yours. I said, Brother Brown, what, 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 what can we help you do? He said, man, we need laborers and we need a little money to remodel that church. Hey, I'm going to tell you all right now, when we're willing to get up off the pew and say, God, whatever you're going to do, I want to be right in the middle of it. You can inconvenience me, Lord, any way you want to. I want revival, but I'm tired of just talking about it. Let's stand together. My, 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 my. Pastor, I've made some sacrifices just to be in the house of the Lord. Hang on just a second. Let's back up. It's not a sacrifice for me to be faithful. Hey, folks, listen. I, too, want him to cover the earth. With his glory as the waters cover the sea. But he's going to have to have some people 
that'll get excited about this thing. And listen, I understand. Not everybody's preachers. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. I get that. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. I get that. But it doesn't fix the problem. Listen, I believe in givers. I thank God for givers. We're going to take up a great offering missions conference to help these people. I believe in giving. But I can't write a $1,000 check and throw it in the offering and say, I did my part. It doesn't do me any good to send $1,000 to Seattle or $1,000 to India or $1,000 to the Philippines if I won't walk across the street to my next door neighbor and say, hey, my name's Luke, what's yours? Are, are you feeling what I'm saying? Walk into the restaurant, you know, you know that server's having a bad day. You know they are. And God gives you four or five opportunities to lay one of them cards from out there down on the counter and say, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. If you need anything, this is where to find us. Write your name and cell phone. I can't give my cell phone number out to them. Yeah, because what if they text you? Say, hey, I need prayer. Oh, my, my, my. I'm, I, I'm not being ugly when I say this. But I wonder, I wonder if it would make any difference if they were a lawyer instead of a server. I wonder if it would make any difference if they were a doctor instead of working at a convenience store. And God forbid their skin color is not the same as yours. Isn't it amazing how many hundreds of thousands we'll send to Africa? But we won't even walk up to somebody that's of a different color than we are. And introduce ourselves and share the love of Jesus with them. Folks, the mission is before us. But the only way we're going to have this breakthrough and the only way we're going to have revival is by a life of inconvenience. By a life of inconvenience. It is not an inconvenience to dress separate. It is not an inconvenience to be in the house of the Lord every time the doors are open, even on prayer meeting. It's not an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience to break up my normal routine to tell somebody about Jesus. Listen, people are dying and going to hell every day. And if we believe we've got the truth, old Charlie Peace will put it on you. He said, I'd crawl on my hands and knees on glass if I had to just to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Folks, I want us to just reach our hands towards heaven right now. And say, God, I'm not just going to sit on a pew in the end time church. I'm not just going to take up oxygen in a local assembly somewhere. But God, I'm going to work through the week. I'm going to invest in people so that these altars will be filled. Lord, if you've called me to FPC and you've called me to work in this church and this is my field of labor, God, I realize that there is a circle of influence in my life that nobody else has access to. God, I'll reach my family. I'll reach my neighbors. I'll reach my circle of influence, God. Help me to reach those that are around me. Hallelujah. These altars ought to be filled every single service with people that we're connecting to through the week saying, hey, come on, let's, let's find you a drink of living water from the well that never runs dry. Oh, great God. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Some of you are so close. Over the last several months, some of you have even taken a step of faith and bought yourself a Bible study chart and a teacher's manual. But it's still sitting where it was at the house when you bought it. Somebody needs to hear about Jesus. Somebody needs to be told, listen, God shouldn't have to guilt us into revival it ought to burn us up and eat us alive every day. Somebody needs this gospel message. Somebody needs to know there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Somebody needs to know to repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin, and they shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God, help us push our church, Lord. Push us in this end time, God. Help us to live for you. God, help us to give our lives to it. Oh, precious God. Some folks are still trying to figure out if it's worth the commitment to even call themselves a Christian or to be in the house of the Lord. And the Lord saying, listen, I, I need you to grow up and get, get busy. 
I need you to get in the, in the, in the harvest field and get to laboring. There's plenty of harvest. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Lord Jesus, inconvenience us tonight. Teach us to love people, Lord, the way that you love. Teach us, oh God, to get our hands dirty if we have to, but to take them to the cross. Let your blood wash them white as snow. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I, like you, enjoy a good sermon on faith, revival and harvest, the dancing and the shouting. I, like you, enjoy the exhilaration that I feel when chills run up and down my spine. I feel that charge that goes through. But I'm going to tell you something, church family, and I mean this with all my heart. I love to preach. Don't you get me wrong. I've been blessed in my lifetime to preach to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. But there is no charge in the world that you feel like you do when you're sitting down with somebody teaching the word of God. And they see the need to be saved and give their lives. to There is nothing in this world like sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And I want to encourage you. If this isn't anything but a shot in the arm tonight, I want to shake up your nest a little bit. We've got this COVID thing behind us pretty much. We're, we're, we're not limited to anything in the state of Indiana right now. But some of us said, when we get to where we can, I'm going to so-and-so's house and I'm going to teach him. Well, it's over. It's time to go to so-and-so's house and... Not just pray from our house, but go to their house and say, I've been praying for you and I've had you on my heart. Is there a reason why God's laid you on my heart? What can I do with you today? What can I do for you today? We've got to get inconvenienced if we're going to have revival. Sister Reno told me the other day, she took me by the hand. She said, Pastor, she said, I just wish I had more time. What you told me, Sister Reno? She said, I wish I had more time to win more people. She said, if God will give me the strength, I'm going to win somebody else. She said, if God will help me, I'm going to win somebody else. Hey, look, you don't serve your time in the kingdom and, and, and get to retire. Somebody's waiting to hear about the goodness of the Lord in your life. And if you're willing for God to inconvenience you tonight, I don't want you to raise your hand if you don't mean it, but I just want you to close your eyes and lift your hand towards heaven and say, God, use me. If you can use anyone, Lord, you can use me. God, you can use me. You can use me. Yes, it's so beautiful. Holy Ghost, rest on your people tonight. Lord, rest on this precious baby. In the name of Jesus. Lord, if you withhold your coming, use him as a mighty vessel of honor in your kingdom. Oh, great God, great God, great God, great God. Use me, God. Use me, God. Use me, God. If you're in this church tonight, you're here because if, you're, if you consider yourself a part of this church, you're here because you believe it's the will of God for you to be here. You're here because you believe this is the mission field that God's put you in. God's counting on us. He's counting on us. And I, for one, want to please the Lord, don't you? Amen. Amen. I love you, precious people. Let's give God a great hand clap of praise for his word tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.